Hello, and welcome to IDG's Ahead of the Pack podcast, brought to you by AWS. Enterprises are looking for ways to capitalize on data to accelerate their business agility. New innovations in cloud, artificial intelligence, and machine learning provide tools and methods that address these opportunities and challenges. Ahead of the Pack is a series of podcasts with leading thought leaders who will share their experience on how enterprises are leveraging these tools and the outcomes they are achieving. I'm Tim Crawford, CIO Strategic Advisor at Avoa and your host. Today's topic, how enterprises are using modern data architectures and machine learning to accelerate their business. We have two guests today. Our first guest is Elliot Cordo, VP of Technology Insights at Equinox Media. Welcome, Elliot. Hi, Tim. Hi, everyone. Our second guest is Harain Oberoi, GM for Databases, Analytics, and Blockchain Marketing at AWS. Welcome, Harain. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me, and, and hello, everyone. So to set the stage, and I want to start with Elliot on this, let's start by discussing what a modern data architecture looks like. Elliot, when you think about modern data architectures, can you maybe compare and contrast what you mean by this and how it's different from the more traditional data warehouse approach? Sure. So when I, when I think about you know, a modern data architecture as compared to the traditional approach. Generally, when we when we talk about traditional data warehousing, we're thinking of a more single-purpose monolithic architecture. And when we are talking about a modern data architecture, we're talking about a cohesive set of tools and platforms that uh, provide a central uh, activation platform, not only for BI, but for other use cases within the business. Um, when I when I think about how these platforms most differ, it's not just in terms of the technologies that we use. Like obviously, in a modern uh, ecosystem, you're going to use S3 uh, forever file formats like Parquet, and you know uh, you know uh, uh, different services which help enable and power the data lake. I, I also think mostly about you know how data warehouses have been developed. Uh, compared to, you know, what I'd say are modern uh, software platforms or, or uh, engineering initiatives. So I feel that like analytics applications, especially data warehouses, have kind of been laggards or maybe feeling exempt from uh, adopting modern software engineering and cloud architecture. Um, you know, in context of Amazon Web Services, the well-architected framework is an excellent foundation, but to be specific, you know, uh, to build a truly dynamic data foundation, you need to implement things like infrastructure as code, continuous uh, integration and deployment, and an agile SDLC. Without doing this, uh, you know, you're really going to miss the main advantages and benefits of the cloud, um, you know, such as containerized and serverless deployment. You're really just going to end up building a, a new legacy on managed infrastructure. Hmm. Are there maybe some other aspects that you think about when you think about that that modern data architecture from a technology standpoint, from a functional standpoint or cost standpoint that really kind of differentiates itself as well? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, on all those grounds. So from a technology standpoint, you know, instead of, you know, relying on a, on a single tool, you know, usually a a database platform or a data warehousing platform to solve all your platforms, your problems. You're trying to assemble a, a series of tools um, and and uh, you know technologies which are going to solve uh, 
the problems you're trying to, uh, to solve most efficiently. So instead of throwing a, a single tool, um, you know, to solve all problems, you know, you, you can leverage tools like uh, a data lake when that makes sense or a data warehouse technology when it makes sense, um, you know, do ephemeral workload processing with technologies such as, as Spark um, on Elastic MapReduce. So really being able to assemble a set of, of um, you know, services and, and applications to solve the problem that you're, that you're uh, up against. And, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, in, in service of that or, or, or related to that is really the idea of, of efficiency and scale and, and elasticity where we're not relying on, you know, a simple square wave kind of, you know, we've all seen that, you know, kind of scaling uh, approach to, to our infrastructure and in response to our workloads, you know, really being, being able to efficiently use computation and storage resource and decouple those things so we can really, uh, you know, experience really, really amazing cost reductions and and overall just have a very, um, you know, good understanding of our scalability Mm. as well as uh, a reliable, uh, you know, kind of cost structure for as the business grows. No, that's great. You know, in Hurain, I know you have the opportunity to see across a myriad of different enterprises like Elliot's. Um, when you think back to some of the things that Elliot pointed out, I mean, how well, from your perspective, are enterprises prepared to leverage a modern data architecture? Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of what Elliot shared, um, you know, we hear a lot from our customers. You know, some some of those points particularly resonated with me, you know, this this notion of customers wanting to move, you know, away from these monolithic data warehouses to a more nimble and, and agile architecture, which is when they're building out these data lakes and data warehouses. And, and then this notion of, you know, having the right tool um, for the right job. And, and so, you know, I think different organizations we talk to at, at different levels of, um, maturity in terms of their, their readiness to uh, evolve their architecture, you know, most organizations start with one or more uh, data warehouses. And then depending on where they are on the journey, uh, there are different stages of um, either building out or integrating with um, this uh, data lake architecture. And, and then one of the things you st- that happens once you start moving to the data lake architecture where you have uh, a catalog uh, where you've tagged your data and it's searchable um, and you can set access policies and governance across the data in the organization, you can then start to see different ways in which that data gets used beyond just the standard sort of query and reporting, that, which is the bulk of what data warehouses get used for, but starting to process larger volumes of data, either in batch, sometimes doing real-time processing, in other cases, uh, doing uh, search-based uh, analytics. And so, uh, the number of use cases that the customers can now do against that same set of data, but just using it in a different way, uh, start to expand quite a bit. And so um, the, the the readiness, like I said, you know, varies a lot. And, and the beauty is because you're moving away from a monolithic thing to these different purpose-built use cases, you can really start in many different places and, and then sort of go from there. Mm. No, that's great. And, you know, Elliot, I know one of the things that um, that this move to a modern data architecture has has kind of pointed out for you at Equinox Media is that you actually have put it to use as part of a new offering that took advantage of a modern data architecture. 
Can you maybe share with the audience a bit more about what that new offering is, how the modern data architecture fit in, and why this is important to your business? Sure. So um, Equinox's uh, new offering is uh, Varus. So it's a uh, best-in-class digital fitness offering featuring uh, you know, on-demand access to Equinox's portfolio of brands as well as their fitness partners. This is inclusive of uh, Equinox, SoulCycle, uh, Precision Run, Pure Yoga, and, and many more to come. Um, in, and the core, core experience is delivered through a mobile app as well as a SoulCycle in-home bike. So the platform itself is data heavy. You know, we're processing large amounts of both, uh, you know, in real life as well as digital and device data and, uh, you know, leveraging this to build data-driven features using, um, you know, the right architecture um, and, and uh, data ecosystem. We're able to, you know, start up, you know, this venture at a very low cost and uh, with confidence, you know, give, really have the ability to scale that to both our uh, Equinox member base as well as a full direct-to-consumer uh, uh, offering with a very, very reliable uh, cost prediction and, and just, just as importantly, performance and scalability. Hmm. And I'd like to talk about that a little further. And let's talk about where cloud comes into the mix for you. You know, as you're thinking about this modern data architecture, you're thinking about launching this new platform. Where does cloud fit into the mix and what have you been able to do with it? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, I think, it, you know, just the story of us uh, starting up this this kind of offering is, is kind of interesting. So, um, you know, we started, you know, probably about, about a year ago. Uh, with blank repos and a, and a series of empty uh, AWS accounts. So, um, <laughs> you know, you know, starting, you know, basically starting from scratch. And that's both in terms of, you know, the software platform, even even our hardware platform. Um, so, you know, using good architecture and, uh, you know, using, using uh, you know, the right ecosystem of, of, uh, of software and cloud services, we were really able to take this this clean slate and and bring it to a really first class consumer offering. Um, you know, so you know we started out like you know I think with about 100 beta users just a few months ago, and then uh, you know obviously uh, with the acceleration of COVID, you know really opening up the opportunity for a on demand and in home offering, we've been able to open this up to you know, hundreds of thousands of, of members across our portfolio of brands, as well as um, accelerating our, our direct-to-consumer in-home. And these decisions were really made in just a matter of weeks. Um, and beyond that, you know, it, it's also allowed us to rapidly develop wholly new services and offerings in a very short time. Elliot, do you think you could have done that without cloud? Or, or do you think that the cloud is what really gave you the opportunity to kind of open up the throttle and be able to move this quickly? Uh, I do not think we could have accomplished it without cloud. Um, you know, we, uh, if you think about just the, the situation with COVID, right? Like we, we had to essentially go from zero to a hundred in, in just a few weeks of time. And I think without good architecture, scalable, 
um, you know, infrastructures, code deployment with, uh, you know, kind of serverless technologies and modern architecture. I, I do not think we could have uh, achieved this without without cloud and good architecture. No, that's great. So let me kind of shift to maybe Harain to get your take on this too, because you see a broader perspective of where cloud kind of fits in for data and analytics. Why is cloud the right platform for data and analytics? Uh, yeah, you know, I've said I've said this uh, for a while. I've, I've always believed, you know, the cloud is is this analytics is actually this perfect workload for the cloud because analytics is fundamentally two things, you know, it's, it's a lot of data, so you need storage and and then you need to process that data in, in a variety of different ways. And, and so you need compute and, you know, fundamentally at its, at its essence, you know, cloud is about low cost, elastic um, storage and compute. And so one of the things we've seen, um, you know, over the years is customers, you know, no, no longer have to optimize uh, and really think through what data they're going to store, what data they're going to throw away, because cost is not as much of an inhibitor as it used to be. The cloud was one of the reasons why the cost of storage has gone down. And so we see a lot of customers now, you know, storing most of the data um, without worrying about how they're going to use it yet. Uh, even if they think they might use it down the road, you know, that opportunity cost is, is uh, greater than um, the cost of storing the, the uh, data. So they just go ahead and store it. Um, and then the other reason is that you have this elastic uh, compute, you have this ability to spin up and spin down resources to run your analytics um, on an as-needed basis. And so, so to Elliot's point, what we've seen happen in, in a lot of cases right now is, as you can imagine, with COVID and, and the general global situation as it is, a lot of companies are having to adjust what projects they're going to double down on and what projects they're going to shut down. And for those that have those projects running on cloud-based architectures, it's a lot easier to do. Um, and it's a lot easier to you know, pause or shut down a set of infrastructure that's, that's running in the cloud and stop paying for it immediately. Uh, and then spin up other infrastructure that you might be using for a different kind of project or accelerate certain projects as was the case for Elliot and, and Virus. And so um, I think the cost of storage and the elastic compute um, uh, two reasons. I think there's many more, but those are probably the two biggest reasons why and I've always said that analytics is such a great workload for the cloud. No, that's great. And these are all great examples of how things have worked, but I'd like to maybe shift gears a little bit and talk about what lessons have been learned along the way. Elliot, you know, as you kind of went through this transition from uh, a more traditional data approach to a modern data architecture, what are some of those lessons that you've learned that you maybe either wish you would have known then or you could share that others could benefit from? Yeah, I'd say that, um, you know, the table stakes, capabilities uh, that you see in data and analytics of ingestion, cleansing, uh, transformation and serving of information is never an easy job. Um, I think, you know, one of the, one of the things that is, a little more difficult in the modern age. You know, this is kind of like, you know, a, a in contrast to the olden days, right? In, the, in these kind of legacy monolithic architectures where there was only a fairly known, you know, set of tools to solve problems. You know, you're basically choosing uh, Coke versus Pepsi, right? But in, uh, you know, a modern, modern architecture, you know, you're really 
looking to assemble the right ecosystem of tools for the job. And, uh, you know, at this point, there's literally, uh, for any function that you're, that you're trying to provide, hundreds of services, commercial, and open source projects um, to choose from. So you really um, need to work to balance uh, technology consolidation with expanding and leveraging these tools to best suit what you are trying to uh, accomplish. And, you know, all things that need to be weighed in there are, you know, of course, the, the engineering know-how, the maintenance, uh, support characteristics, and, and you know, uh, you know, scalability and, uh, you know, kind of how, how it can uh, really benefit your platform. Yeah, and there's there's one other piece that I wanted to kind of loop in, and you've talked about this in the past about the steep learning curve that that comes from this transition, um, or things that you've learned from the transition. Maybe you could just spend a minute about talking about the non-tech aspects as well, and what you meant by that. Yeah, so from from a non-technical perspective, I think. Um, you know, a lot of it comes down to kind of resourcing and, and um, you know, kind of building the right team around, around the ecosystem. Uh, you know, obviously there's, there's, there's the, the kind of heritage, you know, of, of kind of engineers and data warehouse professionals who are very good at SQL, but, um, and kind of, you know, the table stakes capabilities of like data and analytics platforms, but um, probably a steeper learning curve in terms of being more uh, cloud native and, and more of an understanding of software engineering principles. Um, and on the, on the other side, you have folks that, you know, come from a software engineering background and have all of the, the good stuff that you want, you know, the ability to engineer, uh, deploy and manage uh, cloud native modern application so so i think you know one of the one of the things from a you know kind of uh you know kind of team building or 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 kind of building that capability from a from a uh from a team perspective is really uh finding out how to make those two worlds work together um mm. you know and and really leverage them to the best of your best of your ability sure and these are incredible insights from your experience using machine learning and just how things have transitioned for you. Where do you, Elliot, where do you go from here and what's next? Yeah. So, so from a machine learning perspective, you know, we've, uh, you know, from the start, we've been using ML to, you know, kind of drive uh, the entire user experience. So one of the early, early kind of, you know, thesis or, or kind of, um, things that we wanted to solve with this platform was being able to consolidate, you know, all the in real life data, all of your digital data, um, your metrics, your wearables, you know, the devices in your home, um, such as the bike, uh, and and really uh, not just store that data, but but make it actionable. You know, start out by enhancing your experience. You know, drive recommendations, help you decide what's what's next. Um, features mm -hmm. we're working on now include uh, building progressive AI-based programming, you know, to really uh, help sculpt and, and, you know, create programs for you based on your goals, based on your activity, based on, on, on you know, all of the data that we have on you. Um, and, and in the end, you know, another, another thing which, which we keeps our North Star and we're working on is, uh, you know, really using uh, machine learning and data 
um, to improve health. And this is by conducting performance research um, and developing custom health and performance insights and metrics for our customers, sure. you know, which could include things like recovery, readiness, and intensity, um, and, and, you know, all tailored to individual goals and activities, whether you're a strength trainer or a yoga enthusiast, really giving them the custom metrics and, and insights that they need to really perform at their best. And, and, you know, these are things that are only capable with, uh, machine learning. Hmm. No, that's great. And as we kind of get ready to wrap on the episode, Harain, what are some ways that organizations can get started, make better progress as they kind of think about their their own data modernization efforts? Yeah, and I think a couple of things. First, I think it's, it's just fun to listen to Elliot's examples here, especially on the machine learning side, because, um, you know, it, it, it makes you... Uh, think about you know just the kind of innovation that you can expect from you know, organizations um, like this that's coming down the road. And, and so if I think about what Elliot's doing um, with his team, they're certainly you know more on the mature side of things. You know where they've they've got that data lake infrastructure, they've started to do some pretty sophisticated analytics, and now they're looking to the future with all these really neat machine learning based use cases. Um, and uh, you know and, and so it's great to kind of see that journey. Normally, when when we look across the board for customers, uh, you know, a lot of them are much further earlier in that stage, uh, earlier in that journey. And so, there's many ways you can get started. We talk about it in the context of, of a flywheel, um, and and the reason I like the idea of a flywheel is because you can really it doesn't matter where you start. The point is to get started, and as you do more, you're going to build momentum, and the different projects that you do build on each other. And so, I'll I'll call out a couple of different types of projects. There's probably five main types of projects that we see. Um, three of them about modernizing your know, infrastructure and then two about sort of taking that to the next level. And that's a bit sort of where Elliot's at. Modernizing infrastructure, the three kind of ideas we see there. First is uh, on the database side. We've actually seen a lot of customers just benefit uh, both in terms of cost and time savings and also improvements in performance and scales by moving away from legacy um, what we call old guard, you know, databases from old guard database vendors to, um, you know, cloud-based databases. So specifically, you know, customers who have to deal with a lot of um, cost and scale and performance challenges or even sort of licensing challenges and, and audits and things like that. We saw them moving to open source databases like MySQL and Postgres. And uh, what they asked us for was they wanted the flexibility and openness of open source databases, but they wanted the um, you know, commercial gate great performance and availability that they had from from some of the commercial databases they had. And so uh, we built uh, Amazon Aurora, um, and a lot of customers have moved uh, moving to Amazon Aurora from uh, you know, legacy databases like Oracle and SQL, and, and we see that happen a lot. So that's one type of project that we see. The other type of project is more about just customers moving um, their on-premises infrastructure to what we call managed services. And, and an example of that might be I'm running um, Elasticsearch. It's a lot of open source projects, like I mentioned, MySQL and Postgres, but you also have projects like, um, say, Hadoop or Elasticsearch or Redis that I'm running right. on premises. Uh, and it's a great way to get started with those because customers can get started quickly. But as their projects start to scale out, uh, the time spent managing and maintaining that infrastructure as the, the, the goals of the project scale starts to increase. And so when you move those to managed services in the cloud, you're effectively offloading 
uh, that infrastructure management piece so you can focus on the more value-added parts about either building your application or uh, about doing the actual analysis and working on some of these more creative use cases. And so we call that, you know, that, that type of project is moving to a managed service. And, and there's a number of initiatives we see over there. Um, the third one, which is very relevant to, to what Elliot and teams have been through, which is about modernizing uh, the data warehouse. And so that's in a lot of cases that customers have a traditional on-premise relational data warehouse. They move into the data layer architecture like we talked about. Uh, and then as they do that, they now have optionality in terms of different types of analytics that they can apply to the data that, that's in the data lake. Um, and, and those are kind of three, I'd say, like infrastructure modernization type projects. The next two, I think, are more interesting uh, as customers get to more mature um, scenarios where the first is uh, building, um, you know, modern applications using purpose-built uh, databases. And so... The, you know, in the past, uh, and Elliot mentioned a bit of this as, as well, um, customers built applications, it was this monolith. You had one application, you had one database, typically a relational database, you had a fixed schema, and it was pretty rigid in terms of what features you built and, and how you would use that, that database schema. And, and as you had new features to build out as a team, you had to go back and change the schema. And in some cases, it was fine. And in some cases, it really didn't work work for you either that changing the schema was too hard or, or just didn't scale the way it was set up. And so with modern applications, what customers are doing is they have uh, basically loosely coupled um, distributed services, web services, or sort of microservice architectures. And so if I'm going to build a new feature into an application, I'm just going to build a new microservice. And that microservice might need a different type of database, it might not even need a relational database. It might need a key value store. And so as a developer, I can go build my microservice architecture. I can use my key value store. Uh, and it still works in the context of the larger system. And so this decoupled approach to working uh, led this need for these purpose-built databases. And so we see a lot of customers now just building applications using purpose-built databases with these distributed microservice architectures. And the benefit of that, again, is the flexibility, the scale, uh, and, and the agility to kind of move faster and change things uh, as, as the world outside changes. Um, and then the last one is, is where I would say Elliot left off in, in his last example, which is uh, now that I've got this infrastructure upgraded, I'm building these new types of applications, how do I start to get more insights from the data that I have? Uh, and that's about uh, starting to look at new use cases like machine learning, um, like real-time analytics, um, starting to visualize data in new ways. And so that's, that assumes, you know, you fundamentally have a data lake in place, you've got a data catalog, there's some amount of data uh, cleansing and preparation that's already been done. And now I can start to apply um, use cases like machine learning against that data and, and really get creative in terms of the direction I go in. And so again, there's no um, ideal place to start. Each customer has a different set of needs in a different place, but each of these things build on each other. And the data lake does become a key component that starts to help uh, pull this together along with uh, that data catalog. Hmm. All right. Well, Elliot and Harain, thank you for joining the podcast and sharing your experience. This has been an insightful look at how modern data architectures and machine learning play a key role within enterprises. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Catch all of the Ahead of the Pack episodes by visiting us on cio.com slash podcast slash ahead of the pack or by finding us on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For IDG and AWS, I'm Tim Crawford with VOA. This podcast has been produced by IDG Communications in association with its sponsor, AWS.